Welcome to today's Lots of Matzah Pizza Podcast. I'll be joined today with Bill Lechner, the head high school coach for Hill Mary High School, the recent state champions. We'll get to hear about Bill's uh, youth uh, hockey career, his coaching career, uh, both at uh, Hill Murray and Stillwater High School. We'll get to hear some Lechnerisms. We're going to hear a lot about the White Bear Lake Hill Murray rivalry and everything in between uh, in Bill's life. It's going to be a blast. Hope you enjoy today's show. Love is a burning thing And it makes a fiery ring Bound by wild desire I fell into a ring of fire Well, are you ready to jump into the ring of fire, Mr. Lecter? How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you doing, Tony? I'm doing great. I've been really looking forward to this interview. There's uh, so a lot of meat on the bone. Both you and I are a bit getting up in the ears, so there's a lot to talk about, don't you think? <laughs> I, I hope so. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Go for it. All right, so before we get into some of the coaching stuff, I always like to get into the your influence as a, as a youth player. Uh, tell me how you learned about the game of hockey, how you got into playing the game to start with. Okay. Well, I grew up in uh, Highland Park, down by the Fort Snelling St. Paul side, and we went to a little grade school called St. Teresa's, um, and we only had 12 eighth grade boys in our graduating class, and they loved sports, and we had parents that were good, and they had some good athletes, respectfully. And so we uh, we played basketball, we played hockey, the coaches would work together on how to make it work for practices, the fit, because they're both winter sports. We played baseball, pretty much whatever was in the toy box. Yep. And so that's what so in grade school, it was, I really, to be honest, in the winter, like basketball and hockey, uh, I was fairly short. I was kind of a short little guy, so garden, and then I was a goalie. Went to Creighton High School, and uh, my fly teacher, Mr. Len Hariza, I think you might have heard that yes. people back in the day. Yes. He was a great He was the great was basketball my, coach there, right? Great basketball so coach, He had yeah. that black, he, uh, slicked over hair, right? Yep, he did. He had that little flat top military look, and we were all afraid of him. He was a good person, though, a great guy. I liked him. And had him in algebra and had him in Fayette. And then anyway, so so we were fortunate at St. Teresa's, uh, our eighth grade year, which is kind of unheard of. A uh, group beat St. Mark's for the city championship in basketball. And so we were thinking we're pretty good at basketball, and me too, myself. So anyway, so I had it for gym class, and it's getting near winter. And it was like, Mr. Isa. You know, I play hockey too, and I play basketball. And he goes, I know. And it's like, so you know, do you have a recommendation or anything? And and I really like him this day. We became friends. Um, he passed now, but but it was like, well, son, you know, at that time I was probably about four foot six. He goes, uh, you're um, fairly small. Um, I, I'd maybe respectfully try hockey. <laughs> so <laughs> so that's well, the rest is history, started. right? Kind of. So, yeah, that was not not too many people know that. Obviously, people do now, but you know. And I'm, you know, I mentioned before, Tone, that we, you know, my parents were just do what you want, we'll support it. You know, it's your life. Um, so, uh, so went out for hockey, and that's where it took off, and played uh, played four years at Creighton, and uh, you know, did well by senior year. Played in a couple of independent state tournaments and had fun, and got to know a lot of guys. Yep, if that answers that one. Where so where where uh, when you were growing up playing hockey was it just all outdoor hockey? Did you ever play on a traveling uh, team, or is it just great. for the parochial school team? No, they didn't have. There wasn't traveling, and it was all areas, um, and it was playground hockey, and it was a lot of names you know, like Jimmy O'Neill was you know coach that Creighton. We all just played at the playgrounds, you know. We, ours was home top, and his was what uh, down by St. James, and you know just just neighborhood palace playground and all those. Just neighborhood stuff, both baseball and hockey. Uh, baseball, we'd have once you got to the, the uh, played at Highland Little League at the Ford Fields there. Yep. We lived there. I, I, I swear I spent my life there more than I did at home just to go. You know, we would have probably never gone home if there was a refrigerator and food at the, <laughs> at the dugout. But, uh, you know, it was the old story where you just go up there in the morning all day in the summer and come back and get rid of your uniform on play. Um, but so then we, yeah, so that was the Ford plant there. How many siblings, how many siblings did you have? How many siblings did you have growing up? I was the youngest. Um, actually the youngest of, I have, um, 
I don't anymore, but I, my family consisted of two older brothers and an older sister. And But there's eight years difference. My brothers were, you know, um, like 12, 10, eight years in my sister difference. Okay. So I'll and be then, professional, but when I got in trouble, it was like, you know, you came around late. You know, we weren't sure if we were going to have you, so you should start behaving. So, yeah. I've heard that one. Yeah. I'm the youngest too. I, I've heard that one a few times. I've heard worse. Trust me, I've heard a lot worse. There you go. Yeah, you were a mistake. <laughs> yeah, that's the one. That's the one. Uh, obviously, no, neither good. one of us were a mistake, or we wouldn't be here today. Uh, so, what you was go. your? What were your parents? What? What was it? A mom stayed home. Dad. What was his profession? Yeah. Until I was in seventh grade, my mom stayed home, and then she worked for as a receptionist or something for a neighborhood office. Um, to be honest, I don't even remember what she'd be mad, although she's passed now. So, yeah. Uh, uh, just, you know, worked in an office in seventh grade. I know, remember she felt guilty that, you know, that all of a sudden she wasn't around. And my dad worked most of his career at Univac, which was Unisys, or Univac was a plant right down on Shepherd Road, which was right by Increases and, you know, Mississippi Boulevard, South Highland. Uh, with that most of his career. And then so we could go to uh, have private education or go to, you know, on street in St. Thomas and he helped out. He worked nights. He ran the Highland and Grandview Theaters. It's kind of crazy, you know, the Highland Theater there yes. on Cleveland Avenue and Grandview. And the cool part of that is, like, I got to see Bonnie and Clyde with my buddies, like, 15 times. And, you know, we just go up there and have popcorn and watch movies when at night when the baseball was over. That's, that was a fun moment. That's kind of cool. So people might not know this. They watch you on TV uh, winning state championships. They might not know that you're quite the baseball guy and, and you went to a great baseball school. Was Creighton quite the power back then in baseball in, in the 70s? Yeah. Um, baseball, I mean, people would have chosen or watched, I guess, not that they should because it's not important enough to matter, but uh, baseball was probably my lean. Uh, a little more successful. Um, yeah, you know, I was a good goalie. Had to work very hard at it. In baseball, it came a little more natural. Uh, I was a middle infielder, you know, and grew up with a lot of good guys. We were fortunate to have a lot of good athletes around us. Obviously, a couple of years younger were the O'Neills and the Molitors and those guys, but I played against them with, like, Winf- you know, Dave Winfield was a year older. Yeah. Uh, and the summer stuff, the Legion. I played for Hamlin, and they played for uh, uh Maddox Brooks and Christy DePark, those guys, and then Jack Morris. So those were, it was fun. We didn't know it at the time, but there was a lot of good athletes at club baseball. And I was at the lower end of that. Obviously, didn't make a living at it, but, you know, it was fun. So you went on, you went to St. Thomas College, they called it back then. Um, and, and you played a little yeah. bit of hockey, but mostly baseball. So at this point yeah. in your life, at what point in your life did you go, hey, I want to be a teacher and I want to be a coach? Someone must yep. have tipped you off at some point in your life. Was it, yeah. was it in high school? Was it in college? Where did you go, yep. this is where I'm going to do it? Yeah. Uh, to be very blunt and be respectful to everybody, first of all, um, most some people might not remember the name, but in grade school I had a coach named Chuck Kelly who actually Charlie Walters, the paper Charlie Walters, yep. his, his father-in-law is Chuck Kelly. Uh, or Bob Kelly, and Chuck Kelly was uh, my age, and he played at Notre Dame as a quarterback. So anyway, his dad was influential to kind of, the, and respectfully to my, you know, parents and brothers and sisters and all that, kind of was a role model as far as um, the work ethic and the value systems of to be a, a good athlete and be a good person at the same time. Um, and he knew sports. So that, he was influential. And then... Um, uh, you know, when, when I went off to answer your question, went off to Creighton High School, uh, loved baseball, loved hockey. You know, when I went to St. Thomas, I still love both. And um, I don't know, can't prove it. A um, little better sport, a little better athlete in baseball. So maybe I, a little bit of piece of me wanted to go to the University of Minnesota. Some of the guys I played with and competed with and did a, you know, equal to right. baseball there. But I, I couldn't make up my mind. So I went to St. Thomas, which was right up the block. And, you know, it wasn't like you traveled around in my day. Right. It was like, you know, there's your grade school, there's your high school. Oh, there's a college pretty close by. I can, I can get there. I <laughs> just up Cleveland Avenue. So, yeah. Uh, from my house. And so anyway, so I chose that and wanted to play two sports. And then at St. Thomas, um, my freshman year, as uh, we talked about before, Tom, um, I was the third goalie, a, a gentleman by the name of Mike Funk, uh, from the Funk family. And yeah. Funk Coach at St. Thomas. And, and he was the starting goalie, and then there was uh, another freshman and myself for backups. 
and that was about the same time that the Saints, the St. Paul Saints were going and they were looking for some, a junior team and some junior participants. Yeah. And so at that time I, again, was like, all right, I'll do that uh, for hockey. And then, you know, it worked out and play baseball and see where it goes. And, you know, you're 18, 19 years old and you're kind of on your own. Cause like I said, my parents were supportive. I loved you. like this, like you figure it out, kid, it's your life. Uh, my older brothers did not play sports. Uh, they were more into hunting and fishing and those types of things. And so, uh, yeah, that's how that came to be. And then Bill Funk, uh, Pat and Mike and Tommy and Jimmy, those guys older, their dad was the, was a coach at St. Thomas, was a principal at Wash. He was influential with me. I was friends of the family. Um, so he was influential too. To, so to answer your question, I wanted to be, to be real blunt, there was a moment where I wanted to be a professional baseball player. Yep. And when I saw, but in my back of my mind, it was like, okay, and I wasn't the greatest at first. It took work and I became a good student, but I cared about sports more than the uh, library probably. Right. A year or two ahead. But anyway, so I um, became, went into, uh, it's like, if I can't be a professional baseball player, I would love to work with kids and help them get to their dreams, whether it be in hockey and baseball. That's kind of how it all fell in place. Did you have anyone when you got into, we'll, we'll get into this in a bit, but when you kind of got into early 30-year career, did you have someone kind of you modeled like, hey, what, how would this guy handle this situation? Or was there was there a, a coach specifically or teacher specifically that you kind of looked up to that you, know, you wanted to be like when you first got started? Yep. Yep. I mean, you tell through the years to be your own person because if you try and be somebody else, you're being right. a phone or safe or you're not going to be dead at it. Yeah. So, you know, you take the value system. I mean, my parents are very old-fashioned Catholic, you know, strict but fair to be a good person, you know, to hold the door for grandma and, you know, whatever, pick up a puck for the rest and be polite and watch your language. So I was kind of, you know, that was kind of ingrained in us, which was fine. I didn't fight it, you know, and we're still kids once in a while, but um, so you had that in, in, in uh, kind of set up for you. And then the, uh, you know, and I was blessed when I got my first high school job um, out of college after I mentioned a couple of years, I was in a grade school at St. Pascal's on the east side, and then I had the opportunity to go to Hill Murray um, with, if I had, because I was a fire major, so teacher and coach. Uh, coach Greipak, um, Mr. Frick, he was the football coach, and, and Brother Francis was the athletic director. Those guys were great mentors for me. Um, they were people I looked up to. Uh, Coach Sky, when I coached with him, I, you know, observed and watched and tried to have your own personality, but take in what, what you believe was quality, uh, attributes to them. And then, you know, I was blessed as a young puppy, 23, 24 year old guy as an assistant. Uh, we would go play and play at the old Mets against Willard Eichelon and Guyman, and, you know, Saturday and at Jefferson and all those schools. Right. And you get to know them and learn and meet them. And just see what how classy and polite and professional they were, and how they I'd watch, you know, as assistant coach, you know, Sky would have me scouting sometimes in the stand and come down between periods, and I'd sit and stare. I don't know why some of it was like weird maybe, but stare at, at their mannerisms and how they treat and how they talk to the kids, and they kind of learned that way. And then you know there were some coaches, and I won't say names, that weren't quite right. as polished or quite as they were. Their way of doing it was more of yelling and screaming or whatever. And it's like, nah, I don't want to be that guy. But, you know, so you try and watch. But, you know, we learned. And I wasn't perfect through the years. Still not. You know, I learn all the time how to, your mannerisms behind the bench and how you handle kids. Right. Well, well, you got to let's let's elaborate a little bit more on, on Terry Skrypek. I mean, he had a fantastic career at Hill Murray, went on to St. Thomas and, and coached there for years as well. Give me a couple of takeaways. Of what what you, what are those things you learn when you're studying Scry? On you know what you take away. What was some of the things that were great about Scry? Yep. Well, I think you know out in the in the light or out in the you know out on the ice and out in the under the TV or the lamps, Scry was always professional. I mean, he always was in life anyway, but uh, always professional, uh, always organized. You know, had attention to detail at practice and plans and all those things. And then we, we shared an office, basically, as I mentioned, with Mr. Fricky when we were all fire teachers. And so you, and then, you know, you have lunch together, fifth hour, I remember, and then you kind of let your hair down and have fun, you know, but it was all professional. It just, you saw a good person. You saw a person that cared very much about his family and his wife and his wife and all that stuff. And then a lot of us hung around in a group, you know, we didn't, respectfully, none of us had a lot of money because you didn't make a lot. So right. on the weekends after a football game, you know, we all coached football to a bunch of us. And so after a game at 10 o'clock at night, you might go to one of the coaches' houses, you know, 
they'd have a beer and I'd have my Mountain Dew and we'd have a pizza and laugh and, you know, the wives got to know each other and it was a fun time. And you just learn about all that stuff, you know, not to go too deep. But so Scry was just a, just a very good person along with the other staff that were there. And then I mentioned Brother Francis, who was a great athletic director that I truly became down the road. I know we're skipping this a little bit, but I became an athletic director. It was like, well, you know, I, I would love to do the to be help Bill Murray be what that guy was and keep continuing as much as possible. Success. You talked about not having a lot of money getting in this profession. Uh, in the early days, you and your wife, well, your wife was in, in, the, in the medical field, in the nursing field. You guys didn't have a lot of money. Elaborate a little bit about how you, <laughs> no. how you kind of made things work. Yep. Uh, well, not a lot of people know, and, and it was kind of fun doing it. Um, I'll go quick, promise. The, uh, when we first got married, uh, we wanted, I'm materialistic and I, I, that's a fault, especially when you don't make much money. I mean, yep. you know, not being weird and people that know me real well knew I was a little Hollywood. It's hard to believe had thick, long hair, drove a Corvette, you know, all those, you know, it's like, how'd you get that? Well, we worked very hard. We did my paint on the weekends or nights. I'd go paint some apartments or paint or build a, build yeah. a or, you know, kind of handy or build a garage, pick up extra cash to have some toys. Um, you know, but anyway, so we didn't have much. Yeah. And we just, uh, our first house, we wanted to live in a nice house. And when we saw, you know, you'd go to the bank and go, well, you don't take enough money to have a down payment to buy a house. So we literally put Sussel homes, those, you remember those houses that they drop off the material in your front yard? Yep. But we found a lot in Denver Grove for like $3,000, you know, in a new area. And we literally, we, I, I asked my parents for a Reader's Digest build a house book. And we literally, my wife and I, and we got, we counted in our brother-in-laws and my brother and my dad, her dad, and we built our first house. It took seven months. So while teaching, coaching, living, uh, nights and weekends, we'd get all the help of the family. And so that gave us a start. But that also could have destroyed you, but it also made us pretty strong to handle everything, you know. I mean, just a normal day would be like a Friday night hockey game. You teach Fayette all day, go to your Fayette, go to your JV game at and then you go out to the house at 8 o'clock at night and turn on some lanterns and start sheetrocking or you know, work till midnight and then do Saturday and Sunday and then go back to work on Monday and start over. So it was weird. It was, a, it was a, you know, and then even not being corny, I worked at a warehouse at Johnson Brothers Liquor Warehouse while doing that too during the week, Monday through Thursday, to get extra cash to build the house. So, well, you know, if you get through it, it makes you stronger. By the by, the mid '80s now, Hill Murray is a fixture in the state tournament. You need a good suit, uh, and you told me this story a couple of years ago, and I just love hearing the story about the ninety-nine dollar suit you got. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's Mr. Materialism, is, right? Now I know it's all coming yeah, together, right? Yeah, yeah I know. Um, uh, well, you're in a state tournament, my first one, and I wore it for a few years actually because I still see the pictures from the. The alumni send them back laughing at me, and I hopefully laugh with them. But anyway, uh, yeah, Coach, you know, all the Icolas and Sattered Islands and Skypex, and I don't want to forget all the guys. But, you know, it was, it was very much a big thing to put on a suit. You know, Coach Wu, all those guys, guys in the state and the coaches. And, and it wasn't out of arrogance. It was out of respect for the game and just, you know, polish up for the big tournament. And so I didn't. I had one suit, and it wasn't very good. So my wife and I scrambled up and got $99, got $100, and went to J.C. Penny and bought the leisure suit with a reversible vest and two pair of pants, figuring that no one would notice that three days in a row I'd had basically the same suit on, but flip it around and it would be different. So, yeah, that's that story. And yeah. the, now I look back, it was quite embarrassing. Yeah, yeah, but uh, at the time it was a great idea, though, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I would rather save my money for, you know, fancy wheels for the summer car than spend it on clothes. But it was a different time. But anyway, and that's why, and I mentioned it to you, I, 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 to get a small chance to be public. Well, even to this day, when we're fortunate to go, because I've heard people, it's like, you know, what are you, are you trying to be the show, putting on a suit? I, I truly, and like Lou Nanny and those guys, I respect the game. I respect all you guys. I respect, you know, having the opportunity and, you know, to be in the, you know, the, to have the opportunity to be uh, in, in high school in a tournament. So it's respect to all the history um, to, to still dress up. And, I, you know, I'm not doing it. I, hope, I don't even care if the camera's on. It's just, I think it's respect to the game and respect to the state tournament. 
So in the mid-80s, after coaching with Scry for eight seasons, um, you get some bad news um, that, uh, that the school, Hill Murray's, it's, it's tougher economic times. Uh, Hill Murray's not necessarily letting coaches go, but uh, it got to the point where you got out of coaching and went into the, into the business world. Yes. Yeah. Um, I guess the short version is the world and everybody that lived through it in the late eighties, you know, started struggling economically and the people had to choose. It was like, well, you know, can we put food on the table? And I miss an exaggeration, but it started down that lane where, you know, uh, things were tough in the world a little bit. And so it was like put food on the table or, you know, maybe not go to private school or maybe not pay the tuition bill. And I was at a time where, you know, I think I was 34 years old or whatever, and my wife was pregnant with our second child in a new house. And so we had to make some tough choices. And, I, you know, the finances were not there. And it, I don't think it did happen, but we were brought into a meeting basically in the fall saying that it might, uh, it might happen. And we lived from month to month like a lot of people, you know. So anyway, so I went in the business world. I had some friends and went in the fashion industry and out of Roseville, which is neighbor, you know, literally I lived in rural Canada and this office was a mile away or less. So I went into that business. Um, yes. And so got out of coaching and it was hard. I told people, if it, it was a video. I was crying going down. Hockey. I absolutely love Joe Murray. I love the job. I love the people. I love coaching hockey and baseball. It was great. Um, so for a few years there, I was out of it. And our company happened to be owned privately. And uh, the short version there is that the owners and the management were all hockey and baseball guys as well. Who were those so they, guys? Who were, were those guys' names? You, you talked about uh, Brian, Brian and Larry Carlson owned Arden Fasteners with their dad. Their dad started it. They lived right out Lake, uh, on uh, Lake Owasso. Yeah. So they're neighborhood guys. They played at Kellogg and, and uh, Ramsey for hockey. And uh, so... Anyway, they were coaching the Bantam teams as their kids came through. Like Neil, Neil Carlson played for Roseville actually back in the day. And it was good. That was Brian's son. And uh, anyway, so so they were into the athletic world. And then Robin Larson, who uh, his son actually played for us at Hill Murray, graduated '99, played with Kowalska and those guys. Yep. Actually, one of the best lines we ever had. Um, his dad was my boss. So it was the owners, and then the sales manager, and myself. I was in sales. And so those guys all coached, and he coached Bantams at White Bear. And so it was like when Stillwater called, Mr. Kenoki, the athletic director, said, hey, you know, it's just a long shot, but you were a pretty successful young coach. Do you think you want to coach at Stillwater? Uh, Andre Ballou is leaving, and, we, you know, you your name came up as recommended. And so I went into the owners and said, hey, you guys are coaching Bantams. Can I go back and coach high school? And they go, we can try it. Your numbers are good. Sales are good. You can do it. We'll go year to year. And so then uh, Stillwater... Uh, hired me and I, I agreed and coached there I think five, six years uh, and then Hillmore came a calling again and, and uh, in 97 and, yep and then it, and then it, that then our company got bought out Carlson's basically were given a check to go away and then all of a sudden my office instead of being one mile away was going to be Cleveland, Ohio and I was coaching and loved it and Hillmore at the, in the same time frame there called and said we would like you to be our athletic director and come back full-time. Uh, took a little bite and paid respectfully, but it was enough where I could still live the way we did. And my wife just said, I know you love the place. You know, I, I see that look in your eye every day for the last 10 years. Go back. So yeah. 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 That's yeah. What I did for the last 23 years is went back as athletic director. So you and coached then, uh, a couple of years later, my back home with baseball. Uh, Tommy Clement got out of baseball. He was a professional baseball player for yeah. Toronto and the Twins in Colorado, blah, blah. So anyway, he and I coached a baseball team for uh, about eight seasons there. And then I've retired from that and now uh, live on Bald Eagle Lake and staring at the water as we are talking <laughs> and and coaching hockey and it's worked out pretty well. That's it. So let's go back to coaching Stillwater for five seasons. Um, that's a public school. You'd never been in public school. You you went to private school growing up, all the way growing up, uh, coached uh, at, at Hill Murray, and now you're coaching at a public school. Was there some differences there? What did you, what did you see that was, was different that you liked and maybe what you like maybe better at, at the private sector? Yeah. Um, you know, it's so respectful. Um, it, it was, I didn't think of it. I mean, people have brought it up. You bring it up. It wasn't. It wasn't like, you know, I, I'm not a snobby private school Catholic person. Um, right. If you, if you 
really study, and, and again, we're human beings, and I don't know if I'll ever, if there's a heaven, I'm not sure if I'll ever be there, but the, uh, it just, it's trying to be a good Christian and a good person, truly, and again, I've screwed up and haven't been that perfect person all the time, yep. to be blunt to the world, but, uh, so I didn't really think of it that way, um, it was like a varsity opportunity, Stillwater, good community, you know, not too far away. Uh, the fashion company I work for, uh, my territory was all around there with 3M and Anderson Window and those kind of things. So the accounts that would make my livelihood were right in the area, and our practices were either down in Stillwater. Uh, at that time, at Lily Lake, Stillwater, St. Croix wasn't built yet, or all the Tarina, which I had a connection there. So I don't know. I don't think the Stillwater, some of the people love that. Why are we practicing where White Bear and Phil Murray do things? Right. Well, we had a connection, and the ice was nice, and the rink is, you know, a little newer, bigger, nicer stands. So anyway, we don't go deep in that, but I think there was some frustration by the community. But uh, anyway, so that that was a little bit of a difference when we brought that in. But the kids were great. Um, I do remember, and I mean it as a compliment, George Stoll, and I know you. Yeah, oh, everyone knows that. The head football coach that had a dynasty. And the first thing, you know, respectfully at Hill, like, Hockey at Hill was pretty big time, and not being arrogant in any way, because a lot of great sports and a lot of great coaches that coach a lot of sports at both schools. But it was kind of cold, uh, and and we became friends. But like George runs things, so if he takes your hockey player or our hockey player and says he's playing football, uh, and you get him later, you do that. It's like I understand, really? <laughs> you know. So so it was it was interesting, but um, we got along great and. And the kids were, the only selfish thing is you wished you could have got them a little bit earlier to work with them, talk with them, and a lot of them played football. And so you kind of had to wait. My very first season, literally, I was handing jerseys out to five, six guys that I had not met yet that played varsity the year before that while we met at school because football was in the state tournament and the right. season just got over, you know. So they were done on Friday at Thanksgiving and our game was Saturday. And so you hadn't seen them yet because they didn't get to try out, but they were, you know, varsity returners, so you distrusted the system. And so that was a little weird. It's like, hi, you know, and I'll, I'll say one name. I hope he doesn't get offended. But it's like, hi, I'm Coach Lechner. Hi, I'm Mike Adams. I play defense. I wear number two. Here's your jersey. Hey, we'll talk at the ring, you know. <laughs> so the first year was a little interesting, but then it got better. So it was good, but not a whole lot different. Um, you know, the rules of eligibility, some of those things varied, but it was I didn't think of it that way. It's good kids, good program, good community. And in some regards, you have a lot, you owe a lot to the people in Stillwater for, for trusting you with a head coaching job because you hadn't coached as, as the head coach, and it really got you some experience to come back to where, to Hill Murray a few, five years later. Correct, yeah, yeah. It, it built the resume. Um, and at that time in my life, you know, it's kind of confusing because it was like, okay, you know, uh, we have to make a livelihood for family. That has to come first. But my whole life, you know, like I said, you know, and I've talked before, you had opportunities not to go deep, to go coach in college or do different, you know, coach at higher levels in high school. But it's like, I'm the guy that I love. My kids are growing up. I love playing hotbox in the backyard or organizing, you know, coaching youth programs in the summer at baseball. So I didn't want to be that guy that got on airplanes and recruited and did college or, you know, all those things. Just the niche was high school. So, uh, yeah, to have the opportunity to still order, to give me to build a resume. And Hill Murray, I did have opportunity to go there a little bit um, previous to those five years back when they saw that I was coaching, but uh, wanted to give Stillwater, you know, a fair community shot. And then it, it all worked out. So yeah, it, Stephen Malik was a coach of Hill, it, and when he got to college, then I went back to Hill as head coach. You really yeah. must have known, because you're, you're family friends with, with the Rollick family, you must have known at some point, Steve, just coming out of college, had gotten the job at Hill, you knew he wasn't going to be there forever, right? That what? I'm sorry. That you knew that. Steve wouldn't be, he wanted to coach at, at the highest level possible. Correct. So you kind of yep. knew that yep. there was going to be a potential chance to get back to Hill Murray. Yeah, yeah, it all worked out, um, probably, respectfully. And I don't mean any disrespect to Stillwater, but, it, but you know, your your big part of your life and all the coaches and all the administrators and, you, you know, was there was a connection. And, and Stillwater, Mr. Kanoki knew that as well. Um, so, you know, they, they were looking for a head coach, and in their opinion, they felt that I was the guy at that time. Um, and it worked fine. We had a good relationship and did pretty well and built up, you know, the program and, left it in good hands. And uh, the first year was a little tough because 
the games with you know Stillwater and Stillmary were in the same conference. Yeah. So that's that's that ached for me to you know have a new group of kids, and then some of the kids you coach are sitting on the next bench, and you know the ones you got close to kind of look at you like you you were a traitor, right? Because you know, they're kids, and, they're, and you know, and the fans didn't love it. But you know, after a year or two, when those kids graduated, life goes on, and actually some of the not to go deep, but some of the kids I coach in Stillwater now, they sent their kids to the hill. And actually a couple of them are on our tournament team this year that their dads played for us at Stillwater. I know so, one of them. Scott yeah, Pierre was, was one of them. Scott, Scott was Pierre was Scott Pierre was one of them. His son Nick played for you last year. Who was the other one who had a who was on that Stillwater team? Uh, Zupper, Max Zupper's dad, Jeff That's... Zupper. He was actually on the panel. Jeff Zupper, and I hired him as our soccer coach. He's the head soccer coach at Hill to this day. Uh, I hired him as the AD at Hill when he and he interviewed. So yeah, Max. Uh, Max's dad was on the panel that hired me at Stillwater. What so, a crazy small world! Small world. I, I know. World. I know Jeff pretty well, and he's got a daughter and two sons, uh, Max yeah. and another yeah, boy as Max. well. Yeah. So yeah. Third so, line center, number eighteen. Good, oh, he had a great tournament. Good kid. What a pistol, right? I mean, he's the guy you don't like like to play against, right? Exactly. Yep. Yeah. He'll he'll go through a wall for you. So it's a small world. It all works out. How you funny is that? You don't want to burn bridges. You know, you just truly, and I know you accidentally do, but your heart doesn't. So if anybody that's listening, your your heart truly does care about all these kids and the programs and communities. Um, and as you mentioned, you know, that they're rivals, but they, you know, they're still, you know, they're still got to be friends when the, when the uniform's put away. Right. All right. So 23 seasons at Hill as the head coach. Uh, I'm going to read off your fairly impressive resume here. Uh, 14 state tournament appearances, including six section finals. So think about that. In 20 out of 23 years, you've been in the section final or the state tournament. Uh, you know that. I don't pay attention to it. I believe you. <laughs> Just trying to I embarrass you. Home. That's pretty that's impressive. <laughs> Well, thank you. Um, you know, and it doesn't, it's not Bill Luckner. It's a whole staff. You got to have talent. You got to have a community behind you. You know, my assistant, Pat Schaffhauser, and I've got other assistants that, you know, gone through with us and goalie coaches. It, it takes the village. You know that. That's not BS. That's truth. No, but, I'm. Uh, yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. All right, and in three uh, three runner ups and and uh, two state championships for you, the school's got more than that. Um, it, let's go through the runner ups first before we get to the, some of the championship teams. That I want I want to go back to where you were an assistant in '83 because I thought that team was pretty special. But the runner up, uh, 2002 year that that that's you know your first time in the state tournament, bright lights. What's going through Bill Lechner's head as you're preparing for a state, a state <laughs> final? You know, because it's it's one thing to be there as an assistant. But one thing, when you're the CEO, yeah. what, what was going through your head at that point? Yeah. Well, first of all, it starts off as a little bit of a relief because it's like, okay, I we've done a good enough job to get here. Because you know, you're kind of a measuring stick. So measuring stick, you get there, it's you know, and and people don't understand. I know it's just high school, but you know, it's it's Stanley Cup playoffs if you're the pros. It's right. uh, whatever Final Four if you're college, and so you get that, and you get a little bit, and and truly. And then now I'm talking old, and I'll come right back to that. Now, and I'm not saying it's arrogant. There's a lot of coaches now that reach out that want to sit and meet and have a cup of coffee and talk to me about all these things, how to handle it. Right. You don't. You think you do, but your first time, there's so much that comes at you from from hotel schedules to how do you get the kids proper sleep, you know, with the different schedules and all that stuff. So what goes through your mind is, is you're excited, you think you're cool because you're there, you think you know how to do it, and you don't. <laughs> you know, there's, there's a lot more to it, especially the first time or two. But uh, in 02, I remember it well. We had a really, really good club. We were runner-ups. We lost to uh, Holy Angels 4-2. to yep. Not to go deep, but it was like a great game, 2-2, tied. Uh, we had about a one-minute uh, blip where we gave them a couple goals quick. I don't matter. We could have gone either way, but... Uh, and you would ask once, like, what I'd want to change. Right then, and I'm being respectful, Holy Angels won. They deserve it. But there was a goal that was very controversial to uh, a puck that was tipped in from over the, like, illegal tip from too high. Yeah. And they went to instant replay right after that in the State High School League. So in that moment, I guess they wish they would have gotten instant replay a little earlier. But I, that's fine. I'm not sour grapes. They well deserve uh, coach trouble. They they won. They're they're the champs. Uh, so that was a moment. But it, to answer your question, it was uh, 
it was exciting but nerve-wracking. And, you know, then it felt good the first time there to, as a head coach to be able to uh, to get in the finals. I mean, we were there as a coach, but yeah. we lost out before then in 99 and 2001. I think those years we, yeah, either, anyway. But to be in the championship was really cool. Uh, great experience, and they were good. Um, so we and we had a good team too, and had fun. So you're, you're, uh, yeah, your 2008 team wins the your first state championship as a coach. Um, as head coach, yeah, yeah. Now that is your your semifinal and and final wins were over two. I mean, epic. You look at the rosters of the two teams that you beat. Was there yeah. something strategically? Was there something, or, or was it just was it everything just gelling and it was all kind of preparation yeah. from months prior, or something yep. happened that week yep. that was different? Yeah, um, I believe, um, and it's it's been told before, and actually I think David Lebake wrote it in his book, but um, the. What what happened was is we were really good, and that's and I'm not being arrogant, but we yeah. had a good club, but we had a good team. We had a bunch of guys that loved to compete, that battled. I was frightened in the summer. You know, we have summer hockey, and it's like these guys are having, and you know, I'll give them on Fridays if they work hard during the week. We'll scrimmage. They were playing like it was Stanley Cup Game Seven in July at a summer camp, and it's like the cold staff is like, we got to corral these guys. They're good, but they they compete. I mean, they they want to beat their little sister at ping pong. So, so anyway, we knew we had something there. And so, you know, we had a pretty good season. I don't remember the exact record, but it was good. But at that time, if you remember, Rosso, uh, what, Andy Neff, their defenseman of stud. And I respect them and like them. Uh, They had won at that time when we played them like 47 games in a row or something. Haven't lost in two and a half years or whatever. Insane. Almost two years. And then Edina was, you know, and again, Kurt Charles was a good friend of mine, and I respect the program so much. Um, but they were, you know, touted as just the top two teams. And so we were good. Everybody knew it, but not, that's our task. And so we were kind of under the radar. Well, um, you were a four seed. Had, you were the four seed, so. Yeah, you I had don't remember to, who was three. To I, don't, I don't know, but the, the, they had to have won. You had to win. Um, we had to beat Rosso first. Rosso in yeah. the semis. Correct. Yeah, yeah, we beat Lakeville, um, and they had a good team, and and then I think that was a year they were pretty solid, and we uh, we were fortunate that yeah they they had a good club, but they were near a 500 record. They just had a tough schedule. Yeah, so they were good. I think it was Lakeville, and then anyway, then we had Rose, Rosso, and then and at that time it was like everybody you know respectfully. So we had a chip on our shoulders, and then you can say that from year to year, but these guys really did. It's like no, we compete. We had no Division One uh, any offers. And, you know, yeah. and I'll, you know, real quick. So it was like a bunch of guys that were good and I knew were good athletes, but no one was paying attention to them. And so they had a chip and so it was easy. So when you put a game plan together, it's like, okay, this is how I think we can beat these guys, these guys. And it was fun. I think we won like 6-1 or 6-2 against Rosso. Yeah. Kind of did really well. Uh, kind of like this year, respectfully, a little bit on some teams that, you know, were really good. But anyway, and then um, Edina was 3-zip and they were good. And so it was fun to, and then what, what was fun for them is we have a slogan and parents and everybody don't quite believe it all the time, but I, I'll go to my grave. The harder you work for your team, the individual stuff will come, you, yeah. you know, and I really believe that it's a cornyism, as we say, but uh, oh, you know, we're going to get to a few more of them later, <laughs> but you know, the ones that, and I mean, it's hard in this day and age with, you know, scouts and friends with family and all the junior teams, but when you want to work really hard as an individual, the team stuff sometimes doesn't happen. You know, you get them all stars or whatever, and I won't go deep. You guys right. understand that. Yeah. But I really, from day one, we work very hard. At, I don't care if you're fourth line, first line. I don't care if you're rich or poor. I don't care what your number is, what your name was, if your brother played. We carry you as people, but the harder you work for the team, if, you know, the individual stuff will come later. And we'll have the best chance of success. And I, I'll go to my grave with that. Our staff believes that. But anyway, this group of guys, what was really cool, and I remember exactly eight of them ended up getting college paid for a big chunk of it. Wow. After this tournament. And nobody was even sniffed before. And it was like, you know, kind of like there. You know, your little arrogance is like, see, I've worked for a team. 
and team success. Individual stuff will come later. So, anyway, one of those out. one of those individuals was Philippi, and and which leads to my next question: is, is is there a specific formula you have for finding great goaltenders, or is it just for, good fortune? Um, well, people will roll their eyes if they're listening to this and say, "Well, you went and recruited him or did that." We don't, we don't. But he showed up at our door, and like I said, respectfully, we've had a lot of really good goalies, but most of them are under six feet. They're all five foot, whatever. But they're good athletes, good kids that believed in Hillmore and gave it a try. So um, we work very hard, and I know a lot of schools do, but we we really work hard at drills and systems in small areas to work with the goalies. Our goalie coaches have been outstanding. Uh, Tony Flint is with us now. He played at Anoka, and then he played at UMD. Um, so, you know, just care about him as kids. you know, And they have their own private coaches in the summer and do their right. thing, but we believe all our... You know, our summer camps, you know, work on stuff with them, mostly in general, but get them stronger, you know, like more multi-purpose, and then they can have their goalie-specific places they go to, which is their life. Um, so I, I, we've been very fortunate. Yeah, we've had some good goalies through the years. Let's back um, up. To, wanna, yeah. Let's back up to 1983. You're on the bench with Scry, and you win the, yeah. uh, the, the first MSHSL state championship for Hill Murray. You, you had been there for... You know, at least five, six, seven times, and had an undefeated team that lost in '80. Uh, you you were involved with that uh, to Grand Rapids. Yep. Uh, what well, was a really yeah. good game? So '83 yeah. rolls along. Um, you got this guy on your team named Rat. Talk about uh, Jim Durley and, <laughs> and, and and how he gets the name Rat. And 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 yeah, I'm not going there. Right. <laughs> I think his brother was named Rat. I think that's how it came up. Cause he was like Rat yeah. Junior or something yeah. like that. But yeah, there was Pat and Jimmy Drury. Yeah, and actually, their dad, they're friends of the family now. Yeah, dad texts all the time. He's like the first one to congratulate when we get to the tournament or do well, even to this day. You know, whatever, forty or thirty-five years later, whatever it is. So, so yeah. what, what was that yeah, feeling? Was there a little bit of weight on your shoulders? Yeah. Was it a little bit of weight on your shoulders yeah. uh, on the staff uh, winning that state title? Because it was a 50-50 game. I mean, flip a coin on that Burnsville team. Two of the best teams in that decade had to play each other uh, that night. Right. Right. Yeah, no, there was. And, and uh, you know, at, well, in the younger days as an assistant, you know, yeah, you care, but the, the, the weight of it, you know, respectfully, it's on the head coach. You know, it's on Scry. I mean, we care, we bleed. But, you know, I mean, even like we're talking now, you know, Pat Schaffhauser is a huge part of being you know, basically a co-coach with me and, you know, Mark Powell's part my assistants and JV coach, Mark Luger, all that stuff. But the pressure goes, you know, it goes on the title. It goes on the head coach, you know. So the weight was on mostly on Scry. But, yeah, there's pressure, a lot of pressure. You know, and as a system, I guess my job, I took my role as just, you know, preparing the kids as best I can to whatever Scry wanted. You know, watch the system, scout all those things, and then uh, encourage. Just you know, he basically just you know putting their hand on their shoulder and their head and say, "Good chef, keep going. Watch this, whatever." So you know, the pressure was on try in those days. So one of my the top switched immediately. To, it was more fun being an assistant, being their big brother and their friend and their head coach. Yes, and the, the guy. You know, yeah, the weight on the shoulders. Yes. So we've talked about for whatever half hour now, and and you've brought up Pat's name, and let's walk through. If you've ever been to a Hill Murray game, uh, you see this guy on the bench with you. He's been on the bench for twenty years, every year except one. I think he joined you his second, joined the staff in the second year at Hill Murray, yeah. and he's in a wheelchair. Yeah. Walk through. I know he had a, a, a tragic accident while I believe it was playing in Europe. Um, walk through yeah. your friendship with Pat. Because it's it's a it's a special well, I, one. Yep, yep, yep. Well, I coached him when he was on JV. So it was my he was on JV to start when he came to Hill Murray, and his older brother Billy played on the nineteen eighty team. But actually, Bill just retired, but he coached the girls team for yes. fifteen years, and he coached JV for a little bit. He's a great guy and a great coach. So Pat, um, he was paralyzed. Uh, I can remember. It. I'll go quick with the detail. My daughter, my oldest daughter's birthday is December fifth, and we were at home, and I got a call, and it was the four cell phones. It was like early state. I think it was a four. We got called. A pack got hurt in Europe. Um, I can't even remember who called, but some one other alumni. And it was, you know, I can remember just praying, going, "Oh God, you know, looks like he's paralyzed." Blah blah. blah. So anyway, another one, Jeff Whistler, another big name and coach that yeah. and actually coached the '91 team and really good friend of mine now. That we we golfed way too much now together, according to my wife. My <laughs> wife, <laughs> my niece. But anyway, uh, uh, he. 
reached out to him first, and you know he was very close to him because because Jeff coached him on the varsity. Yeah. So we were his two coaches. Uh, and so anyway, when he came back, I mean, life was tough and, you know, he went through some challenges and figuring out, you know, cause this was a guy that was homecoming king, soccer, hockey stud, one of the best B that ever came to Hill, played at Boston college, got professional scouted, um, you know, yeah. uh, drafted and his contract financially was better in Europe. So when he got hurt, he came back for a year. We had, uh, coached his sister lived in Sioux Falls, I believe. So we went and coached the high school team there to a state championship and then, we had and it was like, you know what, Chap, we I need you back. You come you know, he's coming back to Twin Cities. And so that's how that started. And he's a stud coach. I mean he does it from a chair. Uh there's funny things that he wouldn't mind me sharing, like once in a while when the kids are kinda of frightened, you know, the new kids on the varsity that don't really know him and know how to handle this Chap's a human being. You know, we get to stand up, he has to sit down doing it. But he, everything, you know, his whole life is he's just a good, solid human being, good guy, and he's a great coach, great he was a good hockey player. So we'll say stupid things just to let the ease down and go, Shaft, hey, guess what? Goes, what's what, coach? Your feet are cold tonight. You know, we had a cold drink. Your feet are really cold. And the kids are like, oh, my God. And, you know, they kind of lighten up and see that he's just having fun being a kid. <laughs> so he goes out in that rink in his chair. He, co- he doesn't miss a drill. Uh, runs the defenseman. And anybody that can attest sees how well our D do at the end of the year. So he's a stud. He's a great coach. My favorite is when Chef uh, gets asked to come to the press conference, and you guys, the players, all got to lift him up to the to the podium, and it's just a it's a fun fun to watch those kids have to go through that and lift him up and be part of his life on a yeah. much more intimate yep. basis. Yep, it just becomes a routine. You know, at first it's a little uncomfortable, like I say, for the kids, but then it's like you guys were all part of it. And whenever and it's cornyisms again, but whenever we feel sorry for ourselves or we got an ache or a pain or think something's wrong. The things that, you know, a gentleman, and there's obviously millions out in the world, sorry to say, but the, the paralysis he has to go through to get in the car and get down the ramp, go down the ramp, get up. We all love doing it, but the kids get to be a part of it. And so it really helps, you know, it, it's selfish, it sounds mean, but because of Shaft's incident, we, we become stronger as a group because we all got to chip in, you know, so it teaches kids about life and, you know, it's not just a perfect bubble. Right, so that, right. That cool no, uh, no conversation. Yeah. yeah, no conversation could be complete. Talking, uh, Hill Marie's coach talking about the White Bear Lake Hill rivalry. You've you've lived it. It's 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 part of your fabric. Uh, what are your takeaways right. with the big rivalry? Well, you know, growing up at playing at Creighton, and that we didn't play them, and we were the private, you know, private school state tournaments and conferences and all that. So I. I Learned quick when I got as assistant with Sky and Homer in the days. Um, what I really learned and liked as a head coach and assistant is it's respected. Like it's not hatred, at least from Homer's standpoint. It's a right. respect. We respect their coaches. Um, they're going to play hard. They play tough. I live in the White Bear community. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's um, it's it's a tough rivalry and it's it's battles and it's going to go over time and it's going to you know and it's going to have. Uh, surprises you know like when they maybe are the better team on paper we come through and, and vice versa sometimes um so it's it's yeah it's kind of and, and we we play each other in non-conference every year no matter what you know we yeah. usually play at christmas and we do it on purpose because it's it's cool if, if it's at all the arena there it's like a section game there's 35 you know there's hanging from the rafters to watch it um and then it's kind of everybody has their gossip to what happened to what's going to happen in sections. Yeah. You know, and of late Stillwater's kind of joined in on that venture, but yeah, it's uh, it's fun with late there. And then you shake hands and you respect and, you know, through the years it's been different coaches there that I've played against, you know, with Bill Butters and Sags and those guys, but, you know, they're, they're good guys and they, they do a nice job coaching. You've had some uh, some great games in that building uh, just, just in the last few years. You had the Noah Cates goal uh what were you what was going through your brain when noah cates they had that long stretch pass noah cates goes in and scores place comes unglued in your position do you do you appreciate that or do you are you walking back to the locker room and 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 mad that you guys didn't make it to state yeah it's it's a question all that um you know there's you put a lot of i put probably more than you should but I don't want to be the coach that breaks the traditions that Hill Murray has had from Andre to Sky to List to Rouse to everybody. So whenever you're in those games and you're fortunate, it's like relief. 
you know, the first thing it's relief. It's like, good, we didn't screw it up. You know? right. It's more than excitement, you know, which sounds kind of corny, but it's, yeah, it's, it's like relief versus excitement. But then you get in the locker room and it's exciting for the kids. And if you're not fortunate to get to state, I mean, that's our goals. And, you know, and it's not arrogance, but at Hill, we're built where from day one, once those teams are made, it's, you create the plan. You know, you can talk plan, go, our goal is to win the state. Okay. You know, that's an easy statement, but how do you do that? you got to break it down. So so it's right on, you know, on our schedule, at our practice schedule. It, and it's not arrogance, it's, but it's, it's list where you are and what time the bus is coming for March 7th this year, for example. Right. Because um, you, you set the stage to the kids that you, it's a dangerous, you know, cliff. We call it a mountain. It's a dangerous mountain to fall off of if it doesn't work. But it, it sets the tone of what we have to do. And, you know, that's how we kind of go about it. So we've heard some Lechnerisms uh, on our show, but one of them that really stood out to me was opening the gate. What does opening the gate mean by Bill Lechner? Because that seems to be kind of the way you build your program is by opening the gate late in the season uh, to make your run to, okay. to state. Yep. Short version is, you know, kids are at school, they try out. Um, you put a team together, a varsity and a JV, and if you're on the varsity, then you start your plan. Every year for the last, whatever, probably 30 years, 25 years anyway, we get in a bus and we go up to Grand Rapids and scrimmage and we start the bond. So short version is we, I tell them right from the get-go, Chef and I sit down and uh, we talk about the, uh, uh, we're going to put, you know, to start. Okay, we'll make, these guys have been seniors, they played, you know, like we just came off a state tournament in 2020. So now 2021, teams made. Okay, you guys were the second line, the first line graduated, we'll move you up and restart. Not to say that it's going to stay that way. So we put lines together, we put combos together, who's the starting goalie, who's the backup, whatever, and you go. And then the conversation through the year is you guys, in every day-by-day practice, you're going to tell us where you're going to end up playing. So bottom line is you put a start, they, they jump in. And then, you know, if you want more, you know, and we have great, we truly try to have good communication. Any kid wants to talk to us, we're going to, you know. If, right. Tony, if, if, if Tony, if you're on our team and you're the third line wing and you want to be the second line center and want to be a power play, okay, what do you got to do to get there? We'll help you. You got to show us a practice when we, we call it burger. So when we're on burger, you jump in and you do that role. You show us, you know, and if it works. Now, the problem is if the guy in front of you is still doing better than you, you're not getting it. But right. So anyway, so it's pretty common sense. So. So at the end of the year, through the course of time, and you still got to win and do well, you know, because it's around there. You know, you can't say, well, we're just going to screw around and experiment until we figure it out. We're going to have 20 losses, and then we'll be good. You know, you've got to figure out how to win while you're doing all this and trying to give kids a fair chance. And by the end, here's your role. you got to live it. you got to trust it. Your parents got to trust it. This is it. Are you in or are you out? And then when you live that role, everything's in place. You have a definition of your job, you know, not being funny, but the business world, you just, there's your office. This is your job. These are your accounts. Go to work. So at high school level, do the same thing. And so the term open the gate, it's kind of the fun part is you get the sections towards the end, the last game or two, and then state, they know the role. If you know, if you got to change then or start over or change, you're in trouble. You know, I think, you know, you got to have those kids feeling, they're moving. They're not stopping and thinking about what's going on. They're just playing and living their role. So you hopefully have enough kids with talent that get in the right role and respect it, live it, and you just open the gate. So we're always then you can just sit behind the bench. Yes, you're nervous as heck, but there's not a whole lot of you know. There's minor adjustments or something. There's something that's a team. You know, you study your team. You go through your scouting report. Go live it. You just open up the gate, boys. So Chef and I are done. It's your turn. You know, we just hug you behind. You know, Coach Talis and us. We just we'll laugh at the kids. Hopefully. You got uh, another Lechnerism is it's 70 and sunny. What does 70 and sunny mean? <laughs> Started from baseball for 18 years. I coached baseball, and some days in the spring, you know how the uh, weather is nasty. Yeah. But if you live, you feel nasty, and you're in the dugout, it's like, why are we here? We hate things. You know, I don't want to be here. Well, you try and get them to believe, and I'm giving away my story, but 70 and sunny, if it's 70 degrees and sunny, it's usually a gorgeous day, almost like today. And, uh, you know, so wherever the world is, and you're, you're in a tough spot, or you're old for three and struck out twice, they know that when I say 70 and sunny, you're on a hockey rink. That yeah, you had a bad shift, you gave up a goal, or whatever it might be, the world's okay. You know, you just go to your happy place, and you know life's okay. So it's on that concept. There's a little more to it, but yeah, that's where that one came from. I love it. Um, so. 
you've been doing this for a long time, I mean, more than just the 23 years. You had umpteen years prior to that. Uh, kids these days are different. Uh, there's no question about it. And, right. and, I, and I think you've embraced, right. I, I think one of the great things about you, Lek, is that you've really embraced these kids where they are and not like they aren't trying to change to them. You've changed to, to meet them where they're at. What does that mean to you? Yeah. Well, again, it takes a village. It takes a lot of, you know, so since I, I mentioned, I'm not being weird, but I, my son, Jake, who's 30, played at Hill, graduated in 07. He helps coach. And he's kind of their big brother, you know, so to answer your question, yeah. they're trying to have, uh, you know, take the 1970s, 1980 values or things you learn from my mentors or coaches when I'm growing up to keep that values. And some people and parents and kids try and object to it. It's like, come on, get with the modern world. Come on, guy, you know. Right. You lost your hair. You're limping. You're, you know, you got you to gotta get with the world to go away. But I still believe those values help you. I, you know, selfishly. When you can do well like we did this year, it shows it can happen. But we also, I have to be smart enough to have uh, fellow coaches around me that and myself to give in to the 2020 world. You know, there's social media. You just know how to control it, how to work with it. And you better care about kids. And, and I'm being forward, you know, sometimes to a fault. I care very much about those guys. They laugh at me because they say, love you, legally. That's another cornyism because yes, in age, I've heard that one. Their kids, they love them, but you know, you, you love them legally and you care about them and you know about their lives and you know if they have a bump on the road, you're there for them. You know, I'm going to be tough at, as heck as you at practice, but I'm going to buy you a Gatorade and give you a ride home after if you need be. And you, and you got to live that and they'll see through it if you're not real and all that stuff. So, you know, it's kind of that fine line between teaching them hockey, being tough on them, value systems but yet in the 2020 world. And it's, I think the best coaches that are successful know how to do that or have a group around them to help you do that. Here's probably one of the harder questions I'm going to ask you. Every year when you post okay. your roster, you handwrite it, literally handwrite it and post it on the wall like it's 1952 before the typewriter. Is there a reasoning behind this or is this just who you are? Uh, um, well, we have changed this year. It's you did now. Um, yeah, our new athlete, and I'm being so respectful. John Paul's a new athletic director, and so it's now goes in. You know, it's like get with the modern world. So it's it goes into a it goes into a an email that they pull up. Um, so no more handwriting. And, yeah, long ago. No, no handwriting. Well, I have a handwritten one, but then I put it on a computer and send it to him okay. from the arena, <laughs> and then he posts it. Um, yeah, back in the day, and we can say the generations of so Coach Scry used to do a third hour, and I can remember because so and it was back in the day when we had fifteen hundred kids in the school, so hundred and twenty of them would go out for forty spots. So right. there's hundred and twenty kids. And you would just post a list on the wall, right there by the cafeteria, by the actually by the athletic office where Brother Francis was. It's like, here's the list, you know, and you would put like the kids that were cut, you know, that kind of stuff and the list who made it. Well, that, you know, back in the day, that's the way it was. No one cared. I mean, they cared, but it was like they'd be mad or crappy, and then life would go on. Well, then, you know, it gets to be more, I invested $80,000 into this program or into hockey, and now you can do this. And so we're trying to, there's no good way. I've, I've You know, David LeVake and all those guys have written about it or followed us and asked our format how we go. You know, I mean, and as a person, I mean, if you and I are cut and you, your whole life has been hockey and you love it and you want to be in high school and you want to play, I mean, that's, that's hard. You know, that's yeah. a huge shift for, it's a bump on the road in life, but at that time it's huge. So anyway, so that's what, uh, so we've kind of changed to now, not publicly. And then we will meet, I make sure to meet with any kid and every kid that wants to talk about why they didn't make it. Right. Or, and even we even go as deep as some of the JV kids, like, oh, I thought I was going to make varsity this year. What happened? So, you yep. know, it's hard, but within the, cause the schedule's starting. But within within a few weeks, we try and hit every kid that wants to communicate, or their parents, or both, to why and what. And so, you know, take notes. But there's no easy way. You know, we're getting sent home. You know, like I mentioned, I want to be a professional baseball player. Well, guess what? After college, you know, pretty much, uh, well, you know, you can go now. <laughs> there's nowhere else to play unless you want to play senior men's. If you're done. You're not good enough. You know, so we all have it at some time, somewhere between, what, 14 and yeah, even the pros, 35 or whatever, saying you're done now, you know? Right. 
I got two more yeah. for you. So now this first year, now it goes into an email. Oh, it does. Okay. After. All right. You're more modern yeah. now. All right. Two two more yeah, quick quick We've hitters upgraded. for you. Um, okay. I can imagine after coaching as long as you have that now you're getting down where where you're probably a much wiser coach, and it's a lot less about X's and O's, and it's more about life lessons. Are you finding that to be more and more true today as a coach? Uh. Yes, I would agree with both your statements. Um, I believe, uh, to be real blunt and quick, uh, when I thought I was a good young lifter snapper coach and you just ran drills to run drills, um, I believe in the hockey world through the years that we've become way more sophisticated. I've, you know, not a perfect coach yet, but we know how to, you know, we can we take a team and we can look at the talent and we can say, okay, this year we're going to do these kind of four checks and these kind of neutral zones and these kind of power plays and then. You know, those guys graduate, a new group comes, so we're much more sophisticated. The film and study and, you know, history and learning from trial and error, uh, that way we've become way better coaches. And then look back to, you know, you, yeah, you have talent, you luck out and whatever. Now, you know, you can look at the Eden Prairie or a diner or whatever you're playing and study what they do and their talents, you know, and you can, uh, you can give it the best chance to be ready for them versus just winging it. Um, right. But also, I really believe this day and age, especially the world we're in now, it'll be interesting to see. Hopefully, it'll break loose quick and we can get back to some type of normality. Right. Kids need to be loved legally. They need to be, I won't say coddled more, but cared for more. We were more, and we have some really tough kids, don't get me wrong, that you know would be throwbacks. But the way kids are built these days, and I mean it as respectfully, it's maybe better, maybe worse. I don't know, everything in between. Yep. We were kind of built, uh, like I mentioned, get up in the morning, go to the field or go to the rink at whatever, and be on our own and figure it out. Where you know they were, they get, they get their rides and they get covered a little more. And here's your equipment. And mine was, I don't know, do we have any equipment in the basement? Well, you better go find some or go get a paper out. Or, you know, right? So you get into all that. So, um, but I also believe probably if there's ten statements, and I've said it publicly, if there's ten things you do with the hockey team in, in the course of the day, it's probably four or five things are hockey and at least 50, 60% is, is talking about life and helping them be good adults. And, you know, when you're all done at the end of the day and your skates get put away or whatever your athletic interest is, you know, you try and help them in life, you know, help them if they help them with a resume, help them find a job, help them, you know, and then let them take 20 bucks from you on the golf course when they're adults, which they love to do. Right, right. All right, last one. So, uh, you got you're the defending state champions. That that probably feels pretty good to hear that, right? When you're going into next year, or does that make you nervous? It does. Yeah, it does. You know, it's hard to do. I mean, it took 12 years from the last time, and you know, with a lot of failures and close to successes. Yeah. So, who yep. should who should yeah, we be it, looking it, on when we watch Hill Murray next year? Is there some guys that we keep an eye out for that are be up and comers uh, that'll be you know the Joe Pilata Chucks and and those guys we yeah. all know about? But you got a nice young group of you know eighth, ninth, tenth graders. Yeah. You have a great eleventh grade class you know coming back for seniors. Yeah. It's going to be a fun team to watch. Yeah, yeah. Respectfully, we are still kind of young. Yeah. People said, you know, a couple of years ago, we're in the tournament, we're two and out. It's like, well, God, the bulk of our team is eighth and ninth and tenth graders. And it was, oh, our bulk of our team is ninth and tenth graders. These juniors, well, now this next year, we, so we graduated, what, four forwards, a defenseman, and a goalie. But the group behind them, uh, they had some good run in the section. You know, they, these guys that are back a lot, you know, obviously, the Charlie Strobel, I, I don't even want to miss any of them, but the right. Strobels and Kloss and Isons and Regans and the guys who went out to Bill and uh, Remy, the goalie, those guys, yeah, they're key guys. But there's, a, you know, and we're going to miss them terribly as human beings and leaders. They're great captains. But the next group is, you know, if they don't get arrogant, and we'll, when I can get back, I only talk to them by text right now because we can't get together right. by the state high school league and the world. So there's not much communication until at least June. Um, but they'll fill in. And our JV was, uh, they only lost one game all year, and they're packed with eight and nine. They only had, uh, one or two juniors on the JV, so we were very young that way with eighth, ninth, and tenth graders. So there's talent there. Yeah, you... um, our captains next year are great guys, um, and there's good family traditions. You know, there's the God Belts, and there's whatever the Jensen's. There's a next group of coming up the block here. 
So you uh, might only look old on uh, your driver's license, but uh, you're feeling pretty young and chipper these days, uh, retired and only have to coach hockey. Do you think you're a better hockey coach today because you have far less to worry about being the AD or or, or selling fasteners? Um, I think it's a little calmer, a little more balanced. I don't know if my wife would agree if she ever listens to this. <laughs> she may not because she <laughs> yeah, she's not as competitive, but <laughs> respectfully. Right. Uh, um, you can balance, you know, it can be a little more balanced in the world. Uh, my chores are done. I guess, you know, I get a list every Monday of things I got to get done because she's how works in the nursing field. So, yep. um, so I get that done and yes, you can put more time into, you know, I, I, as I mentioned in talk to tone previous time, you know, as an AD and a baseball coach, you're worried about the field. You're worried about the, uh, the buses, the umpires, yeah. the, you know, all that stuff. Uh, is there popcorn? Do we have change? You know, you know, at all the arena, you run the concession stand as an AD. So it's like we have enough fives and tens, and yeah, anyway, so you get yeah. all that. So uh, better coach, um, more time to give it a stronger effort, and I believe that helped this year. Yeah, we put in probably 40, 50 hours a week in the hockey that I was not able to do that many or that detailed. Well, maybe that's yeah. the, it's the new Bill Lechner. Maybe we're going to see a string of <laughs> Hill Murray championships here. I, I love it. I don't know. You know, there's a lot of great programs. Things got to fall in place. We're very fortunate. Um, but there is a good group there to compete. But, you know, you live on those. You live and stand by. Somebody's passing you up. So we have a lot of work to do. But well, I great w- teams and hopefully one of them. I was joking about that, but I'm I'm as uh, sincere as possible. I'm very, very, very happy to have you part of the uh, hockey culture here in Minnesota. You you were part of the fabric, and we really appreciate everything you've done for Hill Murray and the whole entire hockey community. That's very nice, you Tone. And thanks to all you guys. I mean, we don't have any of this without your support and all the work you do with the youth and everything. So congratulations to you guys as well. All right, today we got a great call with uh, Bill Lechner, Hill Murray head hockey coach. Hope you enjoyed it.